Hey, and welcome to Why'd You Buy That? This week, Dan tells what it was like to travel across the country in a pandemic. And then Drew shares about how his dining out expenses have decreased dramatically since the coronavirus. We talk about Mother's Day spending, and you've got to hear the story about what Dan created Anna for for Mother's Day. And then Drew wraps it up with why you might want to consider bundling home and auto (laughs) insurance. Or not doing it anyway. (laughs) All right, stick around. Welcome to Why'd You Buy That? I'm Drew. I'm Dan. So let's timestamp it here. May 14th, 2020. Still kind of in the middle of the pandemic. I guess some people would say we're on the downside. I don't know. It's it's up to your perspective. But Dan, I thought it would be good to start off. I want to hear what it was like to travel across the country during the pandemic. Well, I guess I would say I was kind of concerned about the whole thing initially because there's a lot of variables, right? So we were traveling from Hillsboro, North Carolina to Alpine, Utah. So that's over 2,000 miles. It's about 32 hours of drive time. And it's a lot of states to cover too. And so I was thinking about, you know, are there certain restrictions entering and exiting certain states? Are gas stations going to be open? Hotels, like the whole thing, right? We have, I think we've talked about this before, but we sold everything we had except for what we could fit in our car. We have a 2006 Xterra. It was me, my wife, two kids and a dog and everything that we didn't sell, which was just like a couple of suitcases hauling across the country. And our Xterra has uh, 200,000 miles plus. And so in the middle of the coronavirus, I think it was a bit of an adventure to, to embark on that journey. But before we left, I was like, how is this going to work? And I was even plotting out some rest stops that we could stop at about every four hours that were bigger and that I had read online were open and seemed like would be good checkpoints. So we kind of had it all mapped out. But then once we got on the road, it was surprising that a lot of our travel was actually easier because of the coronavirus. So for example... There was like no traffic anywhere ever, right? We never had any traffic because very like a lot fewer people are on the road. We never ran into a gas station that wasn't open. Same thing with hotels. Hotels were like really easy to book because they were at like 30 to 50% capacity. I talked to a few of the hotel managers and they were like, yeah, we're down quite a bit. So obviously we didn't get to like swim in the hotel pool, which our kids would have liked. But outside of that, the whole journey was pretty seamless. We drove over three days, stopped in two different hotels and had a great time. Lots of uh, pit stops, you know, for the dog and the kids. <laughs> but we made it in three days, which I thought was pretty good. So when you entered a hotel, were you concerned about wiping down all the surfaces or was it kind of like, were you more like trusting of that everything had been cleaned thoroughly? Yeah, that's a good question. And one of the things I wanted to ask the hotel managers was how they cycled through people, right? Like if they're at 30% capacity, they may be able to just leave some rooms empty for a few days after somebody's in there. I mean, I think the lifespan's longer than a few days, but to, you know, help prevent uh, spreading disease that way. I would say we were fairly trusting. We didn't make any food or anything in the hotels, right? It was mostly like we get in there, we shower, we go to bed, and then we left first thing in the morning. But yeah, we were good. (laughs) And it's been like 14 days. So we didn't get coronavirus while we went on the trip officially, I would say. Okay. Did you do the mask and everything while you were at the Um, gas station? In a few places we did. Yeah. Like if we'd go in, 
but we also kind of field it out. Like for us, it's a little bit more on the social side. Like if no one else is wearing a mask, then we just won't wear a mask. But if everyone else is wearing a mask, we'll wear a mask. We're just like, just trying to fit in. So have you seen these unemployment claim thing? I think I shared the graph with you. Yeah, I'm just looking at this chart. It's insane. It is unbelievable. Like to try to describe this in words, it's it's like a the up and downs of the unemployment claim are like these little tiny ocean waves. And even the events of 2008 looks like the slight crest of a wave that hits upon this enormous cliff, like straight up into the air with the unemployment claims that have happened in the past two months. It yeah, that is, is unbelievable. So these are just just claims, right? These are individual claims. That's what this chart is. So we're we're looking at like between two hundred and fifty thousand to six hundred thousand, maybe from nineteen seventy to twenty twenty, kind of fluctuating that range. And now we spike to almost seven million. Yeah. And if there's anybody listening who, out there who has lost their job either, you know, permanently or temporarily, you know, I, I feel for you. You know, um just want to say, you know, stick with it. But it's just looking at this line, it reminds me... Do you ever, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? No. Anyway, in Game of Thrones, they have this thing called the wall. And then beyond the wall, there's the free folk. But this looks like the wall in Game of Thrones. Just mm-hmm. this enormous spike. And it is just startling. Yeah, it's like just straight up. There's not really a curve to the spike. What's kind of caught my attention is, you know, Jim Cramer, who is the host of Mad Money, yeah. which is kind mm-hmm. of a popular show about stocks and i think that he has more or less been on the cautious side of things but he came out with something recently he was like we cannot let this turn into a depression in terms of an economic depression this cannot be another great depression and when he said that it really caught my attention even though personally i think that we shouldn't be opening up until we have enough tests we have enough masks we have the ability to do contact tracing so when I look at the spectrum of people, I'm generally on the more conservative side. I don't really feel like I'm going to go out much yet, even if it's a uh, kind of allowed. But I also am starting to hear these these alarm bells from people saying that you know it's going to get it could get bad if we don't figure out how to do this testing, I guess, and get people out there leading their normal lives. Mm-hmm. What, what's your opinion on coronavirus and how conservative or or liberal we should be with our activities? Yeah, well, I think it's really a it's a risk assessment, right? Like it's a a health risk to economy risk evaluation. And economy I think it's even broader than the economy. I think it's a on the one side you've got your physical health avoiding the coronavirus, but on the other side you have mental health, social health and economic health, right? Having everyone inside all day all the time has a lot of impact that I think needs to be evaluated and kind of approached from a position of the individual situations of each state, right? Like some states really need to be having more precautions on the the coronavirus side because of how severe the outbreak is and how high of contact there is like in in New York, right? But in other states, one of the governors in maybe Wyoming or something said We've been practicing social distancing for a hundred years. <laughs> you know, everyone just lives apart and it's like it's not a concern. So I think that's 
that's part of it as well. Just having a more of a state by state kind of approach and even family by family, depending on the health situation and the age of the people in the family. But I do think there is a lot of trade-offs to just saying that everyone should shut down and stay in their homes. I don't think that's the right move. It occurs to me that it's the older people who are the most at risk, right? Even, I mean, I'm more at risk than you. My dad is more at risk than me. Mm -hmm. And as we move or try to move back out into the world, the people that are the, really the most vulnerable are those that are in their 70s or higher. I mean, I'm vulnerable too, yep. but you know, the statistics say that I'm less vulnerable than someone who's older. Mm -hmm. So even though my actions don't directly, maybe directly affect them, just if I do end up spreading it by having contact with somebody who's had it, I do feel for those older people that might, through someone else, get exposed to it or something right, like that. Right, right, yep. And there was one other thought I'd, I'd read an article about, like, how long will it be before you go out to a restaurant again and sit down in a restaurant? <laughs> I don't think I could tell you the answer to this, Drew, or <laughs> you might not talk to me anymore, but I actually went into <laughs> a restaurant last week. <laughs> Yeah, we bought some food at Rumby Grill and we went in and ordered our food because we've, we've was gone it take out or did you sit down? No, we sat down. Well, that was the first time we sat down at a table. Okay. And we had been into, I mean, because we're in the middle of this move and traveling across the country and like all the things going on, we've been eating out a lot more than usual. And so sometimes we'll call ahead and they'll, and but we just basically follow whatever they're protocol is at the restaurant. So if they bring it out to you, then we just get it in the car. Or if you go, if we get there and we haven't ordered yet and you can go in and order them, we've been doing that. But just this past week, yeah, was the first time where we sat down at a table and they had about half the tables closed. So you weren't sitting directly adjacent to anyone. But yeah, that's where we sit on the on this side of the, <laughs> the conversation. That's so cool. we're living life on the edge. So I read like the tale of someone where the coronavirus was spread in a restaurant and someone had attended who was at a table and then like three people caught it that were at that same table. But the scary piece was three or four other people at the restaurant at that same time also caught it who were not at the same table. They were mm -hmm. in the vicinity of the airflow from the table mm -hmm. and like two of them died in like, yeah. like what? <laughs> That's crazy. Holy moly. Or there's the story from Washington where everybody got together for like, we're going to, we're going to sing in a choir. We're going to have a, have you heard this story? I haven't the, heard this. This was earlier in the year. So not recently, but they were having, everybody knew the coronavirus was around. They decided to have their meeting anyway. I think they were recommending social distancing, but they all stayed socially distant while they sang in an enclosed room. You know, so they were not outside and they sang and two hours later they left and like 70 percent of the people got coronavirus from that one get together. And I'm like, holy cow. Wow. Holy moly. So yeah. That's why I think, again, I think I'm more, maybe I'm a little more, I don't know if you call this conservative or liberal in terms of, <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's conservative in this case, conservative about going out and, and doing things or more risk averse than some of the people I've been talking to. But those are the re those are the reasons why those stories are the ones that scare me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's a real thing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The the rate of I don't know what the technical term for, but basically the rate at which it spreads and and the seriousness of it is is something that I think everybody agrees on. It's uh nothing to mess around with. But again, just kind of weighing the other side of the coin and trying to make a balanced decision. I think it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Well, on to other topics. 
Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, yeah, how this has, has affected your spending, right? Like right. coronavirus. And you said you, you've been home for quite a few weeks. And I'm curious, like, how that's affected your spending. And well, I'm glad you asked, Dan, because I've done a little analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so I carry this credit card around with me and I that I use for my personal, you know, spending and I like the miles that I get from it. And so I looked at some of my eating out and dining out and wanted to see how it's been affected over the months of January, February, March, and April of this year with the coronavirus situation. So on this, I normally would go, I go to work and I eat my own, I eat lunch out almost every day when I go to work. It's a treat, right? And then I do Starbucks. And then sometimes I go out with my family. We're a family of five. And so when we go out, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, it is. It's fairly expensive, right? Even if we went to McDonald's, I mean, we'd still be spending some money, right? Yep. So anyway, it's a little embarrassing to say, but I thought I'd break down the numbers from my food and drink spending. Yeah, let's hear this. This is good. You want to hear this? Yeah. All right. So in January, I spent... Like, what's the highest number you think I was spending on food and drink? It's probably higher than my number. It's really uh, delaying the the unveiling here. Okay. Uh, I don't know, because I just, I don't track that very much. For a family of five... Over a month, right? Mm-hmm. Fifteen hundred dollars seems like that'd be pretty high. Okay. All right. Well, I feel a little better. I this is seven hundred and sixteen dollars is what oh, I this spent is in only January. dining out though. Only dining out. Only dining out. Yeah. Only dining out. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that high. So seven hundred and sixty, sixteen? Sixteen. Yeah. Okay. So then in February, what's that? Does that seem high? No, I'm I'm just breaking it down into weeks, right? Because that's the way my mind works. So if yeah, I thought of course. 716. So that's like 150 a week, maybe Mm -hmm. on just dining out. So sorry, was that for January? That was for January. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested to see how the trend goes. So that's, uh, what'd you say? 200 and I mean, a hundred and something per week. So divided by five is $20 a day, $30 a day. Yeah. 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 So I mean, that's nice. It's high, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So in February, it was $500, 560, 566 mm-hmm. pence. So it went down by 30%. Yeah. That was a 30% drop. And then March, right, where the coronavirus is really kicking in, we were starting to be sheltered at home. It went down to $347, another 30% drop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Almost exactly 30%. And a total of 51% from the original 716 in January. Yep. So I... Eating out and cutting up in half. And then in April, total eating out, $0. No way. It went up to zero. Now, that's a little bit off because since the coronavirus situation happened, whenever we go out to eat with the family, my Tracy tends to do it on, my wife tends to do it on her card. We're not getting some of that, which we're, we yeah. are eating some in the community, getting the getting some of the costs of eating out onto her card. But regardless, yeah. it was still like yeah. $0. No, the Starbucks... No eating out for lunch. You know, I got a message from Poke Works, which is, you know, Poke Works, right? <laughs> yeah. The Poke Works or whatever they call uh, it. Come back. They're, yeah, they're like, hey, we're still here. Poor guys. We want to see you again. So um, that's that. That is pretty significant. I think probably my family is offsetting that for you in the economy. <laughs> Are you eating out? I think our our grocery bill has gone down significantly and our eating out has gone up quite a bit. And that's what has more to do with our life situation than coronavirus, really. But we've we have eaten out basically at least once a day since we got to Utah. And part of that is because we're living downstairs in the basement in my in-laws for a couple months. 
and they have a kitchen down here but it's just full of like storage stuff and so it's not really usable and so we're buying some groceries and kind of working you know cooking a little bit in the kitchen upstairs but also trying to you know be good guests and have our own food and not be like mooching too much off the in-laws so yeah so we've eaten out quite a bit (laughs) in fact i don't know seven hundred dollars i'm surprised that you feel embarrassed about that for a family of five that seems like it seems high, but not like embarrassingly high, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's some eating out that may have not gotten on my card too. So it could be even mm-hmm. higher than that, but mm-hmm. that's, a, that's yeah. a lot of money. Yep, it is. So anyway, yeah, that's the effect of coronavirus on my eating out um, <laughs> spending. But let's let's do a round of why'd you buy that, Dan? Let's pull yeah. out our trackers. So for those that might be new to the pod, this is where we try to uncover our hidden motivations our values by looking at individual and an individual purchase that we have made and describe why we bought that and if we thought it was a good purchase or a bad purchase. So let's rock it. What did you what'd you do? All right. So I am going to go with a present I sort of bought myself for my birthday, which is a GoPro. The okay. GoPro Hero 8, the latest model. And I it's kind of interesting how this came up. I used to be into photography. I don't know if I told you that, but I had like a fair amount of camera gear and I even did a couple of weddings and you know, I was into that for a while after college or towards the end of college. But I just like creation and design and photography is cool because if you get a nice camera, you can do some pretty powerful things with it pretty quickly, right? Like the learning curve if you're into it and you can like really figured out quickly that on the technology side, then cameras are really powerful these days. So I used to do that. And then more recently, I've been into video. I just think that video is such a powerful medium. But I had never really thought about a GoPro. But my parents gave me some birthday money. They gave me $50. And we have we save $300 a year for each person in our family for birthdays. So we have $300 that we can spend either on gifts or party stuff or whatever, but like a total of 300 bucks for each person on their birthday. So I was when I got this money from my parents and I was thinking of how to spend it, I thought like maybe I should get a GoPro. I don't even remember what prompted that. But in my, you know, standard fashion, I went to Best Buy because I wanted to be able to return it in person because that's just as easier for me. So I went to Best Buy and they had the same bundle deal that they had on GoPro, which was the GoPro and a few accessories for $350. But Best Buy was $400. So I was like, can you guys price match this? And the manager said they could, they price match Amazon, but they don't price match GoPro directly. So that was kind of a bummer. But he said that they have a GoPro, just the GoPro for 300 bucks, which they would price match. And that's what it was from GoPro directly. And then they have some other stuff that I could buy that ended up being like 450 bucks. Anyway, long story short, I ended up buying it and then buying it the same bundle that I actually wanted on GoPro and had him order it. I didn't anticipate doing this when I initially bought it, but after I bought it, I was like, dude, forget that. I'm not paying an extra $100. Like I did get a a bigger SD card and that was like a good chunk of the additional cost. But then there was also like this other attachment stuff that I didn't really care about. And I was like, forget that. I'm going to take it back. So I ordered it from GoPro, got it from them. And then I'm just feeling all this buyer's remorse. So I have two GoPros now and I'm feeling like, do I even want a GoPro, right? I've recorded some <laughs> videos with it and it was cool, but I'm like, eh, maybe I've kind of like got my fill. Maybe it's not something I like care to own over time. 
But anyway, I brought back the GoPro to Best Buy and the guy was like, so how come you're returning it? Just didn't work out. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, we, you know, we got this other thing. And he's like telling me about a different GoPro package. And I just kind of like stood there and looked at him and let him talk and never really gave an explanation as to like why I was returning it. But Mm. then I just returned it there and something came up where I wanted to film a video a couple of nights later. So I opened the other GoPro and recorded this awesome video. And now I'm like, now I'm stable with the purchase. Now I'm like, that was good. It was good. I'm glad I have it. It's cool. It was actually pretty cheap. It was only $350 for the whole packet. And the camera is unbelievable. Like the stabilization on it, I can chase my dog around the yard and video him. I'll have to send you this slow-mo video. It is so smooth. It looks like it's on a drone or something. It's just like, and I'm just running, you know, holding it in my hand. So it's pretty rad. So this reminds me of the purchase of your headphones. (laughs) It sounds oddly similar, right? Purchased one set of headphones. You purchased one GoPro and then you found it for cheaper. And then in that then you bought a second pair, you returned the first pair. Is that what happened in the yeah. other situation? Yeah, exactly. Or you so, kept the original pair or something. Yeah, well, with the headphones, I ended up returning both of them because I was going to go with the Amazon pair because they were cheaper. But then the one from Bose gave me a headache. Just, just the, oh, the right, over ear right. and the noise canceling. I just couldn't wear it because I need headphones that I can wear for like eight hours at a time because mm-hmm. I'm, I just wear them all day long when I'm working. And those just were like too much. But very similar story. I just ended up keeping my second GoPro this time. So, (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Weekly, our app that helps you stick to a budget. It's in the Apple iOS app store. You can also find us at weeklybudgeting.com. We have a completely different take on budgeting. The traditional method is to operate on a month, to put everything into categories and subtract the money out of categories. But this ends in frustration for lots of people because they get halfway through the month. They may have overspent or underspent a category. They're not sure where to grab the money from. Oh, by the way, does this sound familiar? Hey, honey, where's the target receipt? I'm trying to figure out if that is a household expense or a food expense. It's just a disaster. So then you end up at the end of the month. You're not sure what happened and you just give up. So we've come up with a different way, which is to operate on a weekly basis. We take your recurring income, your recurring expenses, we subtract your expenses from your income, and then we come up with what you can safely spend for a week. Then we keep you in touch with that number, downloading your transactions from the bank so that you can always know what is safe to spend. This alleviates the guilt of spending and lets you spend with more joy. So we hope you give the app a try. Um, You can go to weeklybudgeting.com, click on the icon, go to the app store. You can also search in the app store for weekly budget or weekly budgeting. Right now we're at the top of the organic rankings for that. And give it a try. Let us know what you think. And welcome to the podcast and welcome to the weekly community. And... What was the original impetus for wanting a GoPro? Was it more just like, hey, this is fun. I don't know where this is going to go. Or did you think, I want to shoot this specific thing and I've wanted to for a while? So part of it actually was our trip to Costa Rica, hopefully later this year if they open up the borders and things settle down. But we're planning to go to Costa Rica where uh, my wife's going to massage therapy school. And so there's a surf shop and like waves, right? I mean, we'll be right on the beach. And so I thought, how cool would it be to 
you know, have a waterproof camera that we could have around and like record the girls surfing and learning how to surf and, and that whole thing. So I, I think that was a big part of the impetus in addition to just wanting to record and edit more video. Oh, that sounds like this is going to be great. Although one thing with that, that I'll say, this is a long story. I didn't realize this was going to be so long, but I was planning to like get into video editing afterwards, but the GoPro app is so good. You just give it these clips and it does like these awesome transitions and adds music and all this stuff that like there's no editing required really. Like I have really good editing software for video. And I mean, it would take me like two or three hours to do a video that they can spit out in like 10 seconds on the GoPro app. And so you lose a little bit of creative like touch, but it's crazy how they they have these music clips that are, you know, a few minutes long that you can add to your video and they have it kind of configured. So they know when like the peak points are in the music and they line it up with high action points on the video. And so it's just like out of the box, you just throw in your video and you get this like crazy output that looks awesome and it sounds cool. And there's like different transitions going on. So that was both like really cool and exciting that it comes out so fast. And also kind of like, I thought I would also be getting this editing experience that I would like to have some creative input on, but that's just gone now. It's like, it's all kind of like prepackaged and configured. And I think that's the way the world is going in general. Mm. It's just better and better software and machine learning and so many things that can do really creative, cool things automatically. Reminds me of TikTok a little bit, how you can make a fun, creative video with just four or five or six mm-hmm. buttons. Mm-hmm. And now you've created this thing and it's it sort of knows what you want are trying to do and takes yep. all the technical steps out of the way. Yeah, totally. Okay. So that's my why did I buy that? How about you? Why'd you buy that? Okay. Why I bought that? So I bought an ego lawnmower Mm, i haven't heard of that so it's ego it's not it's not like oh you hurt my ego it's like electronic go okay okay yeah yeah it's a battery powered lawnmower i haven't actually gotten to use it yet but i'll tell you why i bought it which was i have an ego powered weed whacker Mm -hmm. and do you have a weed whacker yeah yeah i mean we obviously sold it with the house but when we were at our house i had an electric powered weed whacker Uh uh-huh and was it with a battery or was it yeah. plugged into the house? It was a battery. It was a battery powder. Okay. Yeah. So was it Ego or was it another brand? No, it was a different brand. I don't remember. It was orange. Okay. So all the ones that I've ever had with the gas, the gas isn't really the problem. The problem is the spool of coil, right? That you constantly yes. have to replace. And it's a real it's a real mess to try to get that thing apart. You know what I'm saying? It's so <laughs> oh, have yeah. you ever tried to do this? Oh, totally. I remember I haven't done that since I was growing up with the gas one. But those mm-hmm. things pop out and then uncoil and it kind of explode, right? And then it's <laughs> like, oh my God. Then you have like this web of whatever you call that string stuff and trying to put it back together. And yeah, I feel that pain. And like putting it on, just putting it on and getting it off. It's like you have to have a lot of like finger strength. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> man, I was like, sometimes I'm getting this screwdriver and I'm pushing it as, like, as hard as I can. And the thing is round. So if you don't have yeah. the right balance on your screwdriver, you'll miss and you'll, I've jabbed my hand a couple times. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Oh uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm got this ego, you know, weed whacker. What's yeah. the proper term for Trimmer? it? You know, maybe. Term. Yeah. Weed it's whacker. Trimmer. It's, uh, yeah, so yeah. whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. Well, what's nice about this one is I go to replace the, the string. We'll call it the string that goes through because it goes around, around, around. And 
I'm doing the same thing. I'm like taking it off and I'm cursing. I'm trying to get the bottom part off. And, like, <laughs> and this is just like dumb. This sort of goes back to read the manual kind of thing. But I'm looking at it. And as I'm trying to get it off, I look at the front and I see this button that says like automatic wind. And I'm like, oh, that, that sounds good. Let's try that automatic yeah. wind. And then I actually break out the manual and I was like, oh, you can like stick it into this thing. I don't need to take it apart at all. And then I put mm-hmm. it in the thing. I straight out like that and I press the button. Is this the same way yours worked? No. And then it winds, no. it winds itself. It's like uh-huh. amazing. It's the hard part out. Like yeah. that was fantastic. But the funniest thing about the the battery powered weed eater, that's another word, weed eater, weed whacker. <laughs> Funny thing about the battery power, I did not expect it to be powerful. I expected the gas to be powerful and this to be weak. Yeah. I think I've had an experience with another sort of electric powered outdoor device, whether I don't think it was a push mower, but it was something else. And it just there wasn't enough power in the yeah. from the electricity of the house to make the thing go enough to where it was doing its well, job. It was well. even like straight up plugged in. It wasn't battery powered. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And those are those are difficult, right? Because yeah. you got the cord for one. I've seen people use like mowers with that. And I'm like, that seems really hard because you're constantly going across the lawn and then you're it's like vacuuming, but with a lawnmower <laughs> dragging a cord behind you, like you don't want to run over that. Yeah. This seems like that'd be bad. <laughs> I have not seen that on a mower. You've seen somebody mowing plugged into the house, oh, yeah. plugged into the house. If I, oh have my I gosh. Imagined- no, I think I've seen that happen. Yeah, that's intense and awesome. So anyway, I was like, because this was such a good product, I was like, I'll go and try this on the lawnmower and hopefully it's just as good. It also gives me yeah. some, like, you know how people, I haven't ever driven a Tesla, but my understanding is that people who drive Teslas, they get in them. And when you press the accelerator, it is like, it goes so fast and it goes so fast so quickly. It's a completely different experience of driving. Yeah. And you would think that a gas powered mower is the most powerful, but when you get in these electric powered cars, they've taken it from being something that's like light and not very powerful and doesn't respond well to something that's superior to mm-hmm. a gasoline powered experience. Have you ever driven a Tesla? I have not driven one, but I've been in one and oh, yeah. definitely felt that. Yeah. It's Did just you feel- like you described. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know really how the electric engine works, but you know, with a gas engine, you like you hit the accelerator and then that starts to open up the chamber and more gas gets in and then the explosions start going. There's kind of this lag, right? It's this process of getting all those mechanical pieces to start firing to get enough explosion to to power the car. But yeah, the electric car, the Tesla, that's crazy. It's just yeah, yeah. Just like you described. Quick acceleration, very responsive, lots of power. Right. So I was going to try the Ego mower to see if it's as good as the Ego weed trimmer. Yeah. And the Tesla car that I've never driven before. (laughs) So when's the unveiling? When are you going to fire that baby up? Well, this was a funny thing in the coronavirus situation is I decided to order it online and then sort of pick it up, I guess. I mean, I could just walk into the store. I don't even know what the situation is right now at Home Depot. Oh, I see. You had to like pre-order it. They didn't, they didn't just like have them in stock or something. No, they had them there. That's the funny thing is that I go to <laughs> the store. It's like 15 of them are in store. <laughs> right. And so yeah. I order one. Expect to get my call within an hour or two that it's like available to pick up. But I don't get a call. I don't get a text. I don't get an email or anything. And then so I just wait <laughs> because there's a lot of things to do around the house anyway. And then so I'm just waiting. And then two days later, they're like, okay, you can come pick it up at the customer service desk now. Yeah. 
but it was probably like 10 yards away. Like it literally, yeah. like it was probably right over there. <laughs> they, they just yeah. go there and just walk to the counter. <laughs> but it took two days to, <laughs> to, to, for all the systems to work to let me know that they had picked up and put it in the services. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I guess I was expecting maybe they would deliver it to the car. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'm okay with walking in and picking it up. But that's exactly that's what happened. Once I got on Home Depot to see if it was available, I ended up buying it, figuring I'd just go pick it up that afternoon. But it didn't end up working. Like oh, that. I see. I see. Okay. So this isn't like a usual thing where you're ordering something online and then going to pick it up. You just wanted to see if they had it or whatever. You're already online. You just bought it. I was like, bought it. And then if I don't have to go in to be with in the crowds, you know, all the better. They're just going to do it. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's all socially distanced and better. And yeah, but then I ended up waiting for that call. And it, so it's still at Home Depot, still Home Depot. Yeah, they got it. So there you go. <laughs> Along with 14 like, others. It's more expensive than a regular mower. Like, oh, interesting. I think like a 40% premium hmm. over a regular mower. Yeah. Well, in North Carolina, we had a neighbor who would literally mow his grass in the middle of the night, 1230, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. He's out there. He's got the headlight, which I think is built into this electric mower, and he's got the headlight going, and he's rocking and rolling. Okay, we have to talk about this for a second. Did, how close was he to your house? So he was next to our next door neighbor, so two houses down. And could you hear it? I could hear it outside, but not inside. It wasn't very loud. But if you went outside, you know, at one a.m. and it's like quiet except for like this. <laughs> Right. I, I guess his next door neighbor must have heard it. Mm, I don't know. I mean, he did it like a lot. I mean, that's like Winnie mode. And so it wasn't like he did it once and then realized that was a bad idea or something. He's always out there, which I thought was kind of interesting, like a lifestyle thing, right? He's got this mower. It's quiet enough that people, that doesn't bother people that are sleeping. And I think that maybe part of it had to do with that his wife worked at night and slept in the day she's a nurse and so i don't know like what his schedule was or but i think maybe that played into it but i thought that was cool like more power to you if you want to mow in the middle of the night like that's cool get it done i don't know i i would just think that would be discourteous to the neighbors who are trying to sleep well you'll have to get yours and you know see how loud it is <laughs> because that's the thing it's all about the volume right if it's quiet enough then who cares if you're out there walking around your yard yeah, if it's quiet enough, for sure. Agreed. <laughs> you know, in our neighborhood, there's a lot of uh, air blowing going on, like with leaves or grass and stuff like that. And it is not quiet at all. So when that thing goes, it's like going for a long time. It feels like I'm like, yeah, are you done yet? <laughs> like, yes. Are you done Although yet? That's kind of got to do it too. So, you know, yeah. Pointing any fingers here. I like the lawnmower noise. Actually, like on a Saturday afternoon, when you hear somebody out in the neighborhood mowing, it just feels like, I don't know. It reminds me of my childhood. It's a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. So Mother's Day just, just happened. Yes, it did. Do you buy gifts for your wife on Mother's Day? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've changed a lot over the past decade. So. Okay. How did it start and what, how does it go now? Well, I would say overall in our marriage, you know, we got married pretty young and I think just had kind of the the expectation that holidays needed to be special and there needed to be a card that was really meaningful and gift. And we didn't have any money when we first got married. So that was hard. And it just felt like it just felt awkward. I don't really remember 
the next eight years. But I remember like now, basically, we've kind of accepted that it's important to do kind and special things for each other, but not just because it's a holiday or even not even necessarily because it's a holiday. And so I think in general, we emphasize birthdays and, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day a little bit differently in that we we try to make the person feel good and special and and serve them but we don't have a big thing about it but i will tell you like what i did specifically on this mother's day which is i wanted to give anna a boat full of money and when i say that what i mean is a origami dollar bill boat <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Full of money inside of it, right? Well, boy, let's come on. That's clever. I came up with that myself. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Honey, so, I got you a boat full of money, and then you pull up with a, an origami. <laughs> oh my God. That's not going <laughs> to. Well, I didn't tell her it was a boat full of money before she saw it. That would be. Oh my God. I would be setting myself up for failure. But it you was kind go. of. Well, I went to get the money. At the ATM, but this was Saturday, so I was a little bit of a procrastinator. But it was the weekend, and I just moved to Utah, and my bank declined it. I assume because I hadn't updated my address yet. I was out of state. I was going to pull out $300. Oh, so it really was money in the boat full of money. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was a bill, but then money in it, like a bunch of money in it. Right. Like three hundred dollars worth of money. Yeah, three hundred dollars. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Okay. Right? Oh, all yeah. right. Yeah. Now, now we're talking. Yeah. Okay. I take it back. So, I mean, because you know, with our financial situation, we we are pretty strict following weekly. So we've got like three hundred and fifty bucks a week, and that's it. So like we don't have like separate money for clothes or anything else, and so it's all pretty tied down there. So sometimes it's kind of like, yeah, let's just spend like three hundred dollars. Or we can just, we can pull out $300 and we're saving money every week and, and that's fine. Right. But I couldn't get the money out of the bank. So I kind of abandoned the idea and just wasn't going to have any gift at all, which would, would also be okay. But then that night I realized I had all these kind of random bills from selling stuff and just kind of leftovers from moving. So it turned out to be like $76 in about 12 to 15 different bills. I'll send you a picture of this. But I made a boat and I made a bunch of origami, like triangle things and, you know, squares. And I rolled some up in like a little scroll and I like built this little ship out with waves behind it. I spent like an hour and a half on it. It was so good. Wait, wait, wait. You know origami? No, but, you know, just YouTube. Just looked it up and just was kind of following around. All right. This is a must have. We got to have this photo and it's got to go in the email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. The most disappointing part, though, was my girls and Anna came up in the morning and they saw it and they're like, oh, this is cool. And I was thinking like, I've put an hour and a half, two hours worth of effort into this. It's going to like be around for the day. People see it, you know, it's like a little, it's a thing. But before I could even, I mean, I was just taken back at how quickly it got disassembled. Within like seconds, it was getting unfolded and Anna was counting it. <laughs> She's like, how much is this exactly? <laughs> And I was like, are you kidding me? I spent so much time building this and it is just gone. It is boom, going in the wallet with, you know, the total amount in Anna's head. That's that's what happened. So there was one cube in particular that took me probably 25 minutes. It was the longest one by far. 
And if you held it in between your fingers with opposite corners, you could blow on the cube and it would spin like really fast. Like, a, you know how you'd have like a little uh, flywheel pinwheel. thing, pinwheel, yeah, or something. So I was going to show the girls that and it was just gone. So poof, I couldn't even say anything. I was I was surprised. So but it was good. It was fun. You know. So do you think if you had had written a note there that said this oh, is seventy six dollars <laughs> and fifty cents, please well, do, I, not just die, please do not just do, do not disassemble this for twenty four hours. I did. So this was like ten thirty at night when I was making this, and it had just been a long day. I think this was we had been in Utah for a whole week, and there's just a lot of trying to get set up and working remotely in a new office and all those things. So everybody was tired and went to bed early, except for me. So I'm up late and I'm thinking, I need a scroll to go with this, like a pirate scroll that's got a note on it, right? So I'm thinking like, I'm going to get a piece of paper. I saw my mom do this when I was a kid. I'm going to get a piece of paper, get a lighter and like put it under it, right? And kind of brown it and like darken it. So it looks like it's kind of worn and burned a little bit. Yeah. On the edges. Yeah. 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 And maybe a little in the the middle middle, or whatever. Yeah. Just kind of. So I get this piece of like nice, crisp printer paper that probably has some kind of sealant on it. Because when I put the lighter under it, it wasn't going anywhere. So I had to go like slower and slower and longer and longer in one spot to like try to start getting a little browning. So finally, I've got the lighter under it. I'm looking at the top of the paper to see to you know if the browning's coming through or whatever. And I'm doing this for like 30 seconds. Nothing's happening. So I just hold it in one spot and just try to get like a little a little action going. Finally, there's like a small brown little you know circle that's starting to form. So I'm like, okay, this is good. So I move on to another spot. Then that brown circle keeps growing. And then all of a sudden the whole paper just bursts into flames. And I'm like, I hadn't thought ahead on that. So I'm standing like behind the island. The kitchen sink's on the other side of the island. It's like literally flaming up and smoking all over. And it's 1030. Everyone's asleep. I'm thinking the fire alarm's going to go off. And everyone's going to come see my origami boat. And my whole Mother's Day gift is going to be hosed. So fortunately, I ran over to the sink. I, I started crumpling up the paper trying to stop the fire in some way but that was a little bit dangerous and got it into <laughs> so you were crumpling it with your bare hands while yeah. it was on fire right while it was <laughs> on like, fire i thought like i got <laughs> burned all over my hands oh my god <laughs> how did you do that yeah well i was just crumpling it and <laughs> i don't know it, it was not good it wasn't good got it into the sink it was very stinky but there wasn't very much smoke so fortunately the fire alarm didn't go off and i ended up putting a like a tiny triangular flag that poked out of the top of the boat on this little scroll thing out of a dollar bill that was just slightly brown on the sides that said anna's boat full of money oh that was gosh. it but there was no I got love a note. picture of this what was it like as big as your hand how big was the boat it was a, so the boat was a dollar bill with was a dollar the, bill okay. the edges folded in but it was okay. pretty much the size of a dollar bill which is hard to fit very much origami in there it's kind of small <laughs> And how did you come up with this idea? I don't remember. I don't, I'm never like Pinteresting things like this or anything. I just thought it would be cool to do a boatload of money. <laughs> and like, if I did it out of money, then the boat would be very small. And then I wouldn't have to put that much money in it. It's a good, <laughs> good strategy. I love it. I, I, how are you going to fit three? Well, I guess you were going to get $100 bills. Like if you were going to well, put $300 in the boat. Okay. So 15. 
and and I probably had about fifteen bills. Okay, uh, but most of them were ones, <laughs> a couple of twenties. I love it. <laughs> I'm just pictures I heard coming down. Like, How much money is this? Like, I'm yeah, exactly. Oh, this is sweet. Unfold, 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 and like again, I I couldn't even see it. I just thought they were picking it up, looking at it, but it was just whew, unraveling. So that's my Mother's Day. How about you? What's been your thing with Tracy? I think Mother's Day has gotten bigger and bigger over the years. Really? Yeah. It has gotten bigger and bigger. So this year it, it was big. So we, we've saved a lot of money from traveling because we didn't go to Disney. We had a spring break mm, Disney trip right. planned. And believe me, I would rather have it that we went to these things. But yeah. the fact we didn't, have, didn't go to Disney, we didn't have to go, unfortunately, get to see my son graduate from grad school oh at my MIT. Gosh. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. That's a, that's a yeah. real bummer. It's a bummer. He's graduated from grad school. So we did get to see him two years ago, graduate from undergrad. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a bummer, but that, you know, we did save money and then we have to spend inside a lot. So anyway, I got my wife a, um, a treadmill for mother's day. Okay. Yeah. Like an honest to God treadmill, like yeah. 300 pound treadmill yeah not here yet it's just like the ego mower it's out in space somewhere. <laughs> i don't even have it yes but she deserves i mean she obviously i mean she's an amazing person so i was happy to, to do that whether we had been able to had save money or whatever but that was that and it seems like last year's mother day was, was really big for some very good reasons having to do with you know my mother-in-law but um yeah, so it just feels like Mother's yeah. Day is getting bigger and bigger. But I'm also have children who are getting a little bit older and older, and so it's like it's maybe time to hand it off it a little bit, right, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I talked to my parents, and uh, so you know, my mom is like, "Did you do you get gifts on Mother's Day?" And they're like, "My parents don't give." Like he doesn't give something to her on Mother's Day and she doesn't give something to him on Father's Day. It's mm -hmm. more like leave that to the kids. Like right. I'm not your mother and you're right. not my father. And yeah, <laughs> they just sort of let that be that. And they get the calls from the kids. And that's what Mother's Day and Father's Day is all about. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting perspective on whether Mother's Day should be a big blowout or actually it's just not so much yeah. in the in the framework of a married couple. You right. know what I mean? Yep. Because totally. When the kids are infants, they're impossible. They can't give their mother a gift for Mother's Day, but yet the mother is working her butt off, right? Yep. You know, and yep. the father too, but yeah. the mother is really working their butt off. And it's yep. kind of like, you deserve something, you know, let me get you something. And then eventually as the kids get older, I don't know, maybe it does a change. Yeah. I like that pattern really of honoring your mom, but you know, yeah, it's, like you said, it's hard. My kids... I think they made my wife a bead necklace wall like Sunday morning, right? As like a little project, which was nice. You know, you get those little sentimental last minute gifts from, from the kiddos, whatever they can find. But yeah, it's nice to like get something, something nice. So I was just curious if Tracy has been asking for a treadmill or if that's something you just knew she would like, because I, I think that's it. She did. Yeah. She asked for it. And she, yeah, for did she know it was coming? Asking. No, she didn't know. Okay. But if she asked more than a couple of times, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I think is hard too with money and marriage is the surprise factor. You know, it's tough. Like for me and Anna, we've always been really transparent with like how much money we have and where it's going. And, you know, we've been married 10 years and we were married young. And so most of our marriage has been 
basically we don't have any money. Like all the money we have is like going to our needs. But now that we're getting a little bit more established, I think we'll have to start getting some patterns for having some money set aside that you can spend on your spouse that doesn't feel like they're just spending your money or spending the shared money, right? It's like, it's kind of a special thing. So, And one final thought on Mother's Day is if you're giving a huge gift to your spouse because it's Mother's Day, you don't want to overshadow the gifts that the kids are giving them, Mm. right? And all of a sudden the kid's like, I just got this little thing, you know? Yeah. That's not the point. It's like, even if it was small or whatever, that's that's the gift that they probably truly want. You know? Yep. Yep. So if that's the measure. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, just that's good. On that's good. Weighing, weighing gifts. Mothers are great. We're all grateful for our moms. For sure. If it wasn't for our moms, wouldn't be here. So bundling <laughs> home and auto insurance. Did you do this when you had your no. home? Mm-mm. Did you had separate auto, separate home? Yeah. Both times we bought and sold a home basically two times in a row. We bought a home, lived in it for three years, sold it, bought a home, lived in it for three years, sold it. And both times we just got whatever homeowner's insurance was easiest to get as part of the purchasing process. I just try not to worry about that as much as possible. So somebody, I don't know if it's the agent, the buyer, the lender, somebody's like, you know, these people are easy to work with, or they kind of preset you up with them or whatever. And it's just fine, whatever that is. I have my homeowner's insurance with State Farm, and I have my auto insurance with Geico. Okay. Not exactly sure how I got into Geico, but (laughs) at some point, I was with Allstate, and I got switched to Geico. But State Farm has been calling me persistently to try to get me to bundle them so that I could save like $500 a year or something like this. You know, enough to make me go, okay, that's that's some some money, right? That would be good, but like... You know, when I think about that, I'm like, it's $500 a year that could save me on my home. But how do I know that their auto insurance rates aren't higher than Geico's, right? Yep. In which case, it'd be 500 negative plus whatever plus on the positive if they were more. Right. Potentially, I guess they could save me on auto insurance too, and which would be negative negative, which would be great. But when I say they call me persistently, I want to say I've received six calls in the past six weeks, maybe once a week. Feels really persistent. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Them calling me and like, and it's a person and, and they're it's a, person. it's a sales agent. They're they're it, trying to get you going. Mm-hmm. And then they text me and they're like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about bundling. So I text them back and I'm, they said, we were hoping they could talk to you about bundling. And I'm like, well, how much are you talking about? It's like, five, we could save you five or six hundred bucks. I was like, OK, but here's the thing is that I know if I go in and I start looking at the auto insurance, it's not like spend 10 minutes and switch and save like they like to say Geico likes to say that. Yeah. Say 15% or more on car insurance in 15 yep. minutes or whatever yep. the slogan is. It's like, no, no, no. There's like eight different things you have to think about, like 25 different vectors of gauging risk versus reward on terms totally. of how much you're saving. What the policy is, how much coverage. Yeah, it is like an entire day, right? You have yeah. to set aside a lot of time to dive into that. So it's like this knotted thing where if I decide I'm going to go in and unknot it and figure out if I'm exactly getting the best optimal strategy, I'm not just going to do that on a whim. I'm not going to pick up and just start opening my (laughs) auto insurance and be like, oh yeah, well, how does, is like, well, how does general liability work versus medical liability? And what's the cost of like someone getting into the hospital these days and like working on all these factors. And that's why when they call and like, Hey, we can save you money. I'm like, 
Maybe you can, but yeah. I'm not going to jump into this right, right at three o'clock today. I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure yeah. when I ever would. And that's maybe why it's so persistent because people never actually go and sit down and think about it too much yeah. on a regular basis. I feel like I'm, I'm in that boat of just never wanting to think about it. And if the price is low enough, so I think we pay $65 a month on car insurance for our Xterra. And it's an older car. You know, I'm sure the value isn't that high, but that's cheap enough for me to never want to spend <laughs> an afternoon like thinking about switching. I mean, you know, the, the number is so low already that I, I don't know about the homeowner's insurance, though. That I'm sure that's a higher number. I'm, but I hear yeah. you. That's that's yeah. a huge time investment. Right. And for me, I probably actually should be looking at it because I'm dealing with three cars, like yeah. mm-hmm. four drivers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And juggling all that with the, because I have two kids who drive, right? Who are old enough to drive. So, yeah, that's true. Well, maybe next time you'll pick up. <laughs> hey, I've been waiting for you guys this week. I knew you'd be calling right about three o'clock. I've got my paperwork out. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. That'd be great. Let's dive in. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, send people off. Let's tell them about the app. What would you like to say about the app this week? Yeah. Well, uh, if you haven't tried out weekly yet, you ought to. Uh, what is uh, what is Weekly? Weekly is a iOS budgeting app that breaks down your income and expenses to give you a weekly number that you can spend. And this spending number covers all your expenses that you just go out and swipe a card. So whether you're buying gas or groceries or buying something all online, it's all grouped into this one weekly safe to spend number which is really designed to help simplify your financial life and give you a clear picture of how much you can spend. So it's targeting the main goal of sticking to a budget and not getting lost in categories or or extra fluff. So if you haven't tried it out, check it out. You can search the iOS app store for weekly budgeting or go to weeklybudgeting.com and download it from there. And also, I guess I want to throw out there, if we have some listeners who have bought something and they want to tell us about it, I would love if they would send us a picture of what they bought and tell us why they bought that. So they could join in our conversation here, whether it was a good purchase or a bad purchase. I'd love to hear about it. We could describe the photograph. We could even share it on our social channels and the person could say why they bought that. And we could all sort of share that experience with them. Totally. Yeah. The reason we're changing the name of the podcast from Budgeting Redefined to Why'd You Buy That it is to uncover the hidden motivations and the values that our purchases expose, whether they be deep values or you know frivolous purchases filled for entertainment reasons or what have you. Think about what we're buying, why we're buying it, and buying things that maximize basically who we are and what we value in life. So that's the flavor of this podcast and hopefully the flavor of what weekly is designed to do where you can uncover those feelings of value and joy while you're purchasing and also not feel guilty if something didn't work out. Right. It's like, ah, oh, that was not a good purchase, but there's a new week coming up and yeah. you know, do it again. It. Let it go. Right well on. said. That's good. So you can reach us at support at weeklybudgeting.com. You can find the app at weeklybudgeting.com and tell us what you think about the app. And also, if you like this pod, rate and review the pod in Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we appreciate you listening. Till long. Happy budgeting. Got my bed.
my type of girl and everybody knows it.